Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. Alongside me, as always, is my broadcast colleague, Sean Gray. Hello. And especially with us tonight, coming in live via, well, no, I was going to say satellite, but it's a bit of a live, via Skype. Um, <laughs> he is the owner, proprietor, and uh, overall godfather of the Lights Out blog. It's Nikki Holdenbury. Hello. I do like the word proprietor. It's good, it's isn't good it? One. It's a good one. I like it. <laughs> have to add it to my bio or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is The Last Lap Podcast. Very much like the uh, real title of the official FIA 2016 season review DVD, they did their best. <laughs> 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 I think sums up this entire season and possibly this entire podcast. Uh, so we are going to take you through our thoughts, five questions in a way to break down the season what was 2016 um and yeah just get a flavor of of what happened this year um nobody is now is actually now allowed to say mercedes 1 2 thankfully that's that's done for this season there are no more mercedes 1 2s <laughs> so that, that at least should not ha- be happening on every single answer so i think we're going to start let's start positive let's go straight in with something you know, upbeat and, uh, you know, a positive question about the season that's just been. So, Nikki, what was your favourite race of this season? It's a tough one. I'm going between Spain and Brazil. Spain for the uh, kind of historic moment um, and the whole story around that race, how Max just go into that team and suddenly became a race winner. Um, I thought that was quite brilliant. And then... Um, Brazil, yeah, it was a bit all a bit dramatic, wasn't it? It was. Are you just playing for the Dutch vote here? Is that well? No. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of and victory. I've been Dutch, but um, <laughs> no, I just really like Brazil. I don't know what it is. Brazil always seems to be quite good, doesn't it? It manages to to provide a lot of uh, thrills and spills, despite probably if you analyse the. The layout of the track not necessarily being all that conducive to great racing. Yeah, that's it, it, true. It's yeah. very tight and technical during ninety percent of it, and the other ten yeah. percent of it is two massively long straights. Yeah, <laughs> which you wouldn't necessarily think would be, you know, yeah, that's where I'm going to see lots of overtaking and, and passing. But I, I guess the the climate also helps. It's it yeah. is regularly wet and washed out. I think as soon as there's a drop of rain on that track, you know, you're in for a good time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sean, what was what was your favourite race? Well, I narrowed it down to three because you know <laughs> I'm indecisive. <laughs> Come on, then. What's Hello? your what's your top three then? Sean, can you hear me? Yes, we can now. I'm not sure what happened there. <laughs> so I just. Uh... <laughs> Not overcome like by having to fight, to narrow it down to three races. <laughs> Not like us to have technical trouble. <laughs> just uh, ask, fire the question at me again, and I'll. <laughs> so then, Sean, what is your favourite race of the season? 
Right, well, I've got a notoriously bad memory for this kind of thing anyway, but I uh, went through them all today and had a little uh, a little skim through all the results and stuff, and I have mar- managed to narrow it down to three. Now, one of them was Spain, uh, which uh, Nicky's already spoken about. Uh, I agree with him, just Max turning up in the Red Bull after the whole Danny Fiat controversy, uh, switching the drivers, and just winning his first race, like announcing himself as an absolute boss at the age of what eighteen, something like that. So, yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, and and not not only in winning, but in in battling off, you know, um, the Ferrari on the on the faster tire and 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 dragging the Red Bull home. That that was pretty good, and it also gave us the insight to what life would be like without Mercedes, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was pretty interesting because I think we all universally agreed at the time that it was pretty good, <laughs> pretty good without Mercedes. Um, so that, that that's the one that immediately came to mind. Uh, I've also got two others. I've had to pick one, probably Spain, but I've also honourable mentions for uh, Singapore, um, which I never thought I'd say because I'm, I'm, I'm no. known, a known critic of that track. <laughs> Big I'm a known critic of that track, but just the way the strategy unfolded in that race where they were trying to drag sets out of tyres and then one man, I can't remember who it might have been, might have even been Lewis after, after he had his um, his problems, he was a bit further down the field. So he strapped on a set a quicker set of tyres towards the end and went for it. And it just all snowballed all the way up towards the front where Rosberg was. So everybody eventually strapped on the quicker tyres and were all coming at Rosberg but who who missed the uh, the opportunity to make the switch. So you had to drag the old set down while the whole field were chasing them on the quicker set. And it just it made for a really interesting finish. And, and Danny Rick uh, closed and closed and closed and closed and closed, but couldn't uh, ultimately couldn't get there. And we had a, a less than a second uh, at the line, I think. So that that for me was, was, was pretty exciting. That kept me on the edge of the seat to, to the end of the race. And then for obvious reasons, I've got Abu Dhabi marked down as well, just because... Mm-hmm. It did keep you on the edge of the seat till the very, very, very last second, you know, and I can, and just the outpouring of um, relief and happiness at Nico finally getting it done is always going to score it highly for me. So interestingly, I've got three tracks that normally I don't really like. Spain, no, Sing- I was going to say. So it's funny. It's, it's very funny how that's worked out. But yeah, Spain and Singapore, the, the two for me. Uh, brilliantly, um, other, I, I kind of was thinking Spain. I did consider Spain. Um, but I, I kind of narrowed it down to two uh, for very different reasons. Uh, the Malaysian Grand Prix, which I thought was actually pretty good this year, um, and yep. Danny Rick coming through. For finally, the finally getting the win after being screwed over a couple Twice, of yeah. throughout the season. Yeah, uh, and my favourite race, I think, actually was Austin in a in a roundabout way, and it, and it wasn't because the front was very interesting, but everything it just kicked off in the midfield for that whole entire race. It was just full of the rest of the pack suddenly being actually very close on the track. Uh, and all the cars seemed to have the ability to, to pass each other at different points in the race. So there was tons and tons going on outside of the slightly dull and un- uninteresting actual sort of um, sort of podium positions. Um, we also, of course, had uh, Alonso ducking and diving through the field to get that sort of magnificent fifth, fifth place for, for McLaren. Um, with his little woohoo at the end, <laughs> or yeehaw was it? I can't remember. Might have been yeehaw actually. Yeah, I think uh, it was. Given it's Austin, yeah, that sounds like <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> so that was that was my favourite because I think it it contained a lot of really good action uh, away from anything to do with the title, and certainly by that stage, I was I was welcome to be uh, pulled away from where the media was going with everything 
uh, at that point being all Nico V. Lewis and, and bits and pieces. So, yeah, Austin think, Austin gets my vote this season. I think at that point, I've put an article up about how Daniel Ricciardo could still win the title. I'll be honest, I can't really remember that much about Austin. So, uh, it's interesting how, you know, we've got two different ways of looking at, at a race, you know. Uh, you, you, I, I know you, you love the midfield action and things like that, whereas I'm if, if it's boring up top, I find it difficult to sort of just remember what went on in a race. Like if, if, if the front two or three positions are is a pretty snooze fest, and then the race soon evaporates from my mind. But it's interesting that that one stuck in your in your mind, particularly just because of the midfield. Yeah, it was just, um, it was just sort of the mix of people being up and around and 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 in points where they sort of you know might not have been and and there was just a lot of there just seemed to be a sort of a lot of mid-race action which is the bit that i think in the whole of the series sort of rest of the series was really lacking you had stuff at the start and stuff at the end and then you had you know 30 laps in the middle of all the grand prix where nothing really happened (laughs) yeah that's true and and austin didn't really do that this year it was it was just a bit more action-packed cool Huh. So we've got what we've got there. Then we've got Spain. A couple of votes for Spain, Brazil, which I'd I'd second as well because it was um, as I, as cluster fudges go. <laughs> it was a pretty darn entertaining one. I liked Brazil because it was obviously entertaining, but the the nature of the delays I think got to me a little bit, uh, and uh, the fact that up front we had. Nico, who was always quite content to just sit in second, get the points that he needed, and never really needed to pressurise Lewis and take any unnecessary risks, took a bit away from me. If it was Nico that had gotten pole position and Lewis was in second in those conditions, then it then it, it could have been real fireworks because Lewis would have had to have gotten by Nico and that would have been a whole other dimension to the race. So just the... The lack of fight between the Mercedes drivers, I think, is the reason that I wouldn't have scored Brazil as highly as maybe the other ones. But um, obviously, Max's drive was was outstanding, the drive of the season, I think most of us would agree. And it was certainly up there, and it was certainly better than than a few of the others that we had throughout the year, that's for sure. I'll tell you what what also gets my my vote for Austin – Kimi Räikkönen reversing down the hill of the pit lane <laughs> into the thing whilst everybody went, well, what's he doing? He can't, he can't, he can't go anywhere. It was just like, nope, I'm just going to go the wrong way down the pit lane with three wheels. See you later. Kimi Räikkönen um, could win several categories just by himself, <laughs> just by existing, you know. <laughs> entirely true. Well, it, which might be a great segue to the second question of the season. Who is your driver of the season? So we'll, we'll let Sean answer then, just in case it is Kimi Raikkonen and he can lick the two knees neat and tightly. Uh, I'd love it to be Kimi Raikkonen because that would um, correlate with a strong Ferrari team. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't have that this season. So <laughs> no, unfortunately, it isn't Kimi Raikkonen. Personality of the year, he was certainly going to be up there. But no, a driver on the track. And, and having said that, Kimi did have a good season, I thought. But no, it's, it's not Kimi Raikkonen. I've got two, the two obvious ones. I think we're probably all going to have the same. I've got Nico Rosberg and I've got Max Verstappen. And I'm, I'm finding it really difficult to split them because I think just sheer on-track, um, ballsy attitude, the way he's turned up in the Red Bull team and just 
stamped his authority down on a guy like Daniel Ricciardo, multiple race winner, and suddenly he's made that team almost his own in such a short space of time, including winning a race on debut, including the best driver of the year on Brazil. He's been a revelation and won me right over. Um, and as someone who looked at him at the start and thought, is he going to be as good as everybody says he's going to be? He's won me right round. I'm, I'm on the train. I'm on the Max Verstappen train. <laughs> but, um, but, but then I've got Nico Rosberg. He's the world champion. And for he, he to me, he had a load of qualities this season that were completely different from Max Verstappen. He had the, the mental demons of becoming so close to become world champion for two seasons in a row and having to deal with all of the pressure that he had in the last four races of knowing he had a big a big lead and only he could blow it like you know like he had it in his own hands and the men the mental fortitude that he needed to be able to to cope with all of that having previously gone so close and you know it was now or never for him so you know we've got Max's pure raw speed and ability on the track versus the uh, versus the mental test that Nico's had to go through are the two contrasting um, sort of sporting attributes, if you will, that, that that makes me really difficult to split them. So I, I wonder, uh, I can't I can't really call it either way. I wonder if, if do both of you see Max as the driver? He seems to be the obvious choice. What what, what do you think? Well, let's go to Nicky for that one. I think. I think I see Max as the star of the season, um, in every sense, like driving wise and. Uh, sort of story-wise. Um, but I definitely think Nick goes up there as well. And that run of races from Singapore, Malaysia and Japan, they're the three races that stand out for me as his best. Um, and they, uh, they're probably what won in the championship overall, I think. Um, but as well as them two, I think you've got to throw in the two Spaniards as well, Fernando and uh, Carlos Sainz. Uh, interesting. I do agree on Carlos. He'd have probably been... You know, certainly in the the in the next the next level down, the just quietly going about his business, uh, driving the Toro Rosso to the absolute best of that car could could go, and 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 carving out a clear name for himself as the next sort of big thing to get a move to a top four team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, if if Williams happened to lose. Bottas to Mercedes, then Carlos would actually be quite a good choice for them, I think. Mm. So that the interesting thing about that is, is that that segues nicely to mine because my two choices were actually going to be Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz. Did you pick? <laughs> bo- you picked both the Spanish guys, yes. did you? Oh well. Um, okay. And we, you, well, you know me, and being slightly off center, and I like to try and find the good stories that aren't necessarily you know, the the ones that you, you think about. Because I yep. think you've got to give Nicola Rosberg and say he has had the most consistent season he's probably ever had and it's won in the title. And that's that's great because you're uh, you know, as you said, Sean, it's two seasons of getting kicked right in the knackers. Um, you know, especially last season where he was really stomped through two thirds of the season, you know, and then, you know, it, it only seemed to come to him after it it, it didn't matter. Um, to have the fortitude to kind of take that into those first four races, I think. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, you forget that because it happened right at the start of the season. But he did. I know Lewis had various problems uh, off the line and things, but he, he, Nico came out of the blocks on fire and won four races, bang, 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 without even you know blinking an eye. Um, and obviously, I, I think I agree with... I like Nicky's 
sort of sum up of Max in that he is the star of the season and maybe even the story of the season. But he he isn't quite consistent enough to be the driver of the season for yeah. for all of his amazing drives that you know astounded and wowed. There was another time where you thought he's a lunatic. Why is he doing that? What what is this kid about? You know. Um, I think Monaco is probably the epitome of that. Yeah, yeah, Monaco and um, the stuff he did in Belgium. Mm. I just I cannot really forgive those things. I, I gave him the, you know, I kind of got used to the moving late in the braking area, and that was only because nobody else seemed to be doing anything about it. Do you know what I mean? Until yeah. the FIA changed the rules, I was just like, well, if they're not going to tell him off, then, well, but you know, at least it's it's slow into that sort of area where. The speed has decreased, but what he did in, it did in Spa to, to Kimi was just an absolute no-no of gigantic proportions, and so that rather tarnished, I thought, what was going on and the stupidness of Max being driver of the day in two races that he didn't finish. Just rather, <laughs> I never caught that. What races was that? Um, in <laughs> Texas uh, was one of them, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was Malaysia, wasn't it? I think didn't he? Uh, oh no, wait a minute, no, he. When did he retire? He did, yes, Austin, um, and I think for Canada he was up for it as well, <laughs> or something really. Certainly, certainly a couple of the races where he was, or was it maybe? Um, did he get it in Belgium? I can't remember. There was definitely two races. It was just like, how how has Max Verstappen been, you know, driver of the day, and it's, you know, Dutch mania. <laughs> an entire country united behind one <laughs> sporting star <laughs> um which is fair enough i guess but it was just like kind of like okay a little bit too much now can't be down guys so my my things on fernando and, and carlos signs is i think they're the two drivers that have absolutely outdriven their cars this season i would agree with that the, yeah, there's no way yeah. that mclaren realistically should be dragging a driver above a williams driver um, you know, um, and whatever you might say about Felipe Massa, he quite clearly had the desire to to still race throughout the whole entire season. So to finish, manage to finish, albeit a point uh, ahead of him, I think is still a massive, massive achievement. You know, the, the fifth place in Austin, um, that, that run of seventh places that he had as well in the middle of the season. I just kind of was just like, that's why you want Fernando Alonso in your team. You, it, it's why it. you put up with the old... GP2 engine, ah, and all that bits of stuff because ultimately you'll drag your <laughs> your fairly rubbish car to points finishes that it doesn't deserve to be, you know. That's what he does, you know. We've talked about it a few times. He he, he gets more out of a car than it than it ever should be, and then that, that was proven at Ferrari where he arguably could have had two world titles, but for tiny change in luck and a Ferrari car that absolutely did not deserve to win two world titles. So that's what, like you say, that's why you put up with him. That's what Fernando Alonso does. And it's why, for me, he's still the best on the grid. Yeah. And then if you look at Carlos Sainz, <clears throat> bar the little mid-season um, blip he had between Germany and Japan, which were all circuits where the, the Toro Rosso was probably, apart from maybe you might say Singapore might have... Um, been something slightly better for the Toro Rosso's but the, you know it was all in a bit where you think the Toro Rosso is destined not to be a great car um, at these these circuits um, pretty much everywhere else other than Mexico he scored a top 10 finish and I just think um, oh in Russia um, 
but he got a top 10 finish like so more than he was out, out of the top 10 in a Toro Rosso with last year's engine what <laughs> you you tell me that there's another driver that's had to do so much with so little that's <laughs> just I think that's just amazing and maybe a little bit of a shout out for Roman Grosjean as well for you know for he's he did some amazing things in that Haas which was definitely um a handful shall we say um during the season but Alonso and and Junior Junior signs definitely I think did more than could be expected for them in the cars that they were driving that's fair absolutely fair yeah and uh actually shout out for Stoffer van Dorn is the only person with a 100% point scoring uh I'm record so, come the end of the season I'm so excited for Stoffel I really hope oh that's that... not true actually Daniel Ricciardo's got a 100% record I've just realized that Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo had, ab- had absolutely no retirements this season huh. oh no he got an 11th place oh, in Russia, in Russia. Yeah. Oh. whose fault was that uh, yeah. <laughs> is there anybody else no there won't be anybody else were you because Oh, that's a, such a shame for Daniel Ricciardo looking back at that, actually. <laughs> that would have actually been a, quite an amazing record to have 100% point scoring in, in that. in Because the, the, the Red Bull didn't look great at the start of the season, did it? He, he managed to get it to those four sort of fourth places, but it looked like the Ferrari was going to have a better season at that point. So <laughs> that's actually it's funny quite how nice. It's funny how quickly that changed around, the whole... Red Bull versus Ferrari thing. I'm kind of trying to look to see whereabouts roughly in the season it sort of changed around. It was sometime around, I think, Austria and Great Britain. Yeah. Between yeah. that point, you had the, you know, Max got two second places, and uh, although Daniel got fifth and fourth, he then went to third, second, second, fifth, second, first, and a couple of thirds. You know, and Max was picking up second places in here when he wasn't doing something ridiculous. Um, and the Ferraris just seemed to be somewhere around sort of fifth and sixth almost consistently. Um, I think that's where it changed around, which is really odd because you'd assume that run of races was not where Red Bull would have really improved. Yeah. You've essentially gone out of Austria as being the last non-power circuit in the European sort of calendar onto pretty much everywhere being power circuits, really, bar Singapore, probably. Everywhere else is a you'd have thought is a power circuit. You know, Mexico, mm. Austin, Malaysia. Certainly, um, Monza and Spa. Monza and Spa. Um, wherever the German one was held this year, I've completely forgotten. It changes so. Hockenheim the, was it? The bad, the bad Hockenheim. The bad ah, yeah. modern Hockenheim. <laughs> I love that you call it the bad Hockenheim. It's just. <laughs> I find that really hilarious. I'm not even bothered that it's not there next year. I, I, it's not a loss anymore. Hockenheim 2003 and and before that. Great track, but since the changes, I, I, I'm, it's not a loss for me. But I think it's a real shame that what they did to that circuit because I used to love that circuit, and I think that's why I'm specifically mad about it because it was <laughs> one of my favourites. Like <laughs> it used to be one of my absolute favourite tracks, and they butchered it. Oh dear. Well, that was interesting. I think it was. I promise you, I didn't plan any of that. I didn't plan it to say, for Sean to say one thing, Nikki to say everything, and then that links to exactly what I said. That's just pure fluke on on my part there. Yeah, we don't plan. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. Um, so third question, uh, the funniest moment of the season. What one thing tickled your funny bone this season? Um, Nikki, why don't, why don't you start us off on this one? I think, talking of Fernando Alonso, 
being one of the drivers of the year. <laughs> um, he also uh, meme of, of the year. Meme of the year. Yeah. Uh, obviously Brazil second practice, but I also loved the moment in Bahrain when uh, after Johnny Herbert had said about uh, oh, he should what did retire, he say? Should retire, he? and then he came over to him. What did he say? Not a oh God! It was something like, um, you, oh, it was something along the lines of, um, oh, like when you've won world, two world titles, maybe you, you can have an opinion. It was something ridiculous. He was pointing out that Johnny Herbert has never come close to winning a world title, whilst he has <laughs> two. Think, you know, it was a classic <laughs> TV moment. We've just sat and spoke about Fernando being one of the best drivers of the year and easily up there as the best drivers on the grid. Uh, and Johnny Herbert saying he should retire. Like if it, if anything has ever. <laughs> proven by Johnny Herbert shouldn't be trusted when it comes down in Formula One. I think it's that more than anything else. Yes. And a punditry career full of g- gaffes. That, that, uh, suggesting that Fernando Alonso should be retiring. Come on. The, the man who apparently is top of you know Mercedes lists to come yeah, in like, and replace Nico Rosberg. Yeah, yeah here with that. Get him John. out. Too old. I'd forgotten about <laughs> that actually. How stupid that was! Oh, I remember that happening on live on TV. It was just like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> Nicky's spot on. Nicky's spot on. Alonso was on absolute top form that day. It was tremendous. <laughs> There's uh, also uh, Seb on the radio in Mexico. That was always also a favourite. I just love how how long the debate of whether or not he was right to say what he said went on. <laughs> that links nicely into mine because I've pretty much just got Seb on radio all season. That's <laughs> been one big funny moment. It's if, honestly, see if you just YouTube Sebastian Vettel Radio 2016. It's an absolute catalogue of gold. Then um, there's the there's the Danny Fiat stuff at the start of the season. That was bad. That was the my best thing about that is that, that that's a that's a two part story. Because there's the there's China and then there's Russia and 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 if you watch a YouTube video, it's like part one and it's him having a go in in in, um, in China where he says he's a torpedo or something coming into the first corner and he can't. There's no way he can slow it down. So he's he, he's he's mad there, but he's, he's he's only slightly mad. And then the sequel, he goes full he goes full psychopath. Oh, that's my favourite. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I've crashed. I've crashed again. What are we doing here? Bleep machine. Bleep machine. Bleep machine. <laughs> Somebody so Sebastian, the um, just do you know what? Just Seba- I've just got Sebastian down as funny all season because there was the radio stuff, and then possibly my favourite moment, not just for its funniness, but just in general, the Mexico podium sprint. Um, with Max <laughs> thinking that he had it and then him realising that he didn't have it and then Vettel running to the podium to get on the podium and then ultimately not even getting the podium in the stewards' room. <laughs> they ended up being Daniel Ricciardo, I think. Um, just that entire, entire shit. Like Max's face when he walked into the, uh, the post-race room looked up at the screen and just went, oh, and had to walk away again. Like, it was absolutely fantastic. That, I laughed so hard. That whole uh, incident gave me rise to my probably my favourite tweet of the season from um, Bad F1 Stats. I hope you all follow Bad F1 oh, Stats. Oh, I follow that, yeah. And it was, Max Verstappen is the youngest driver to come third, fourth <laughs> and fifth in the same race. <laughs> I just absolutely died when I saw that. That's, just, that's genius. <laughs> There's another great Seb radio moment um, that, that is pure funny. It's pure comedy rather than just being angry. Um, I th- I'm not even sure if it's in the race or if it's a practice or whatever, but his drinks bottle breaks in the car and he just gets to the radio and goes, hey guys, my bum feels wet. <laughs> <And it's fantastic. laughs> 
Sebastian. Oh, I didn't hear that one. That's uh, amazing. Google Sebastian. My bum feels wet. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, my bum feels wet. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. an- another good one from Bad F1 Stats, just because I like this one, as this one made me really laugh. It said, this is Nico Rosberg's first retirement since the 2016 Spanish Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> After his announcement, <laughs> that was really, really spot on as well. <laughs> And Rosberg is the first Rosberg to win the championship since Rosberg. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Um, <clears throat> so you've covered all of the things that I thought were really hilarious. Uh, Fernando Alonso in Brazil on the camera was was genius. Um, <laughs> it's just something really funny about him going, well, here I am again. <laughs> oh, look, here's a chair I can see. In. Oh, it's got a camera on it. Let's have a play with this. This will be good fun. <laughs> um all the Seb stuff, as you said, um, missed, uh, and uh, yeah, the Max Verstappen stuff is hilarious. Um, also, I shouldn't really, but it's just one of those things that whoever it had happened to, it would have been funny. It was Nico Rosberg hitting himself in his face with his radio cord when he was trying to disengage it from his thing, and it popped apart and smacked him really hard in the face just as he was trying to trying to get. I can't even remember what race it was. It's just it was one of those sort of things that you were kind of like, oh, did that just happen? Rewind on Sky. Oh yes, it really did. It's it was after Baku, it. wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, one of his best drives of the season, and then he goes and does that. After <laughs> Smacks himself in the face. I also quite liked him picking up the first place hat in. Um, uh, oh yeah, that was in Mexico. In as Mexico, well. yeah. All the other drama was happening. <laughs> so, it must have been just that the other hats had all been moved about. But I like the fact that he sort of put the the number one hat on and was wearing it for ages. I love to think that he did that on purpose. Like he just sort of went and did it and was just like, haha. We'll see how long it takes for people to realise, rather than it just being a mistake. Um, but all, all of those things um, led. And ah, oh, Danny Kvyat cycling back to the. <laughs> to the pit lane in um was that Abu Dhabi? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just thought there was just something about that summing up his whole entire season in in one yeah. little picture. There's a good um there's a good Danny Fiat Monaco radio message where he um it's not even it's not funny, it's just sad. Like when he's having one of his engine breakdowns and he just gets on the radio and just goes, Why does this keep happening to me? Oh that <laughs> was so sad. It's so heartbreaking, man. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for me, like we've covered it, but Seb, man, Seb was the Seb was the comedian this year. That's for sure. And let's be honest, he had to be because he wasn't going to win anything. <laughs> <in that> Ferrari. <laughs> Thing is, though, right? Ferrari had three chances to win a race this year in Australia, Canada, and possibly Austria, and they messed up every single one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's not been a. It's not been a great season to be a Ferrari strategist, have they? They, they got it one right once this season, which was the final race. And I don't know if they meant to do it. And I think that kind of, <laughs> that to me, sums Pretty up Ferrari's strategy. Was just like, I don't think they meant to put Seb on that strategy. It's just kind of the way it worked out. And that everybody else pitted before they thought they were going to pit. And they suddenly went, well... We're not going to do any better if we just keep on doing what we were doing. We might as well do this now and see what happens. And as it turned out, it turned out to be the best strategy of the entire race. But they clearly they didn't do it for Kimi, so it wasn't something that they they had obviously thought very long and hard about. I don't think. Otherwise, uh, yeah. So let's let's move away from all this positivity 
uh, and talk about. I've this, this was two that, questions last year, but um, I kind of merged them into one because it's sometimes it's easier to answer them both at the same time. What is the one thing that you would change about this season, and or it may fit into the same thing? What is your least favourite moment of the season? It's interesting. Um, what you've just segued superbly because I've got down here. What would I change this season? A competitive Ferrari is what I've got <laughs> down here. So you've 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 rolled straight into that like absolute fitting like a glove. Uh, yeah, a competitive Ferrari is what I would change about this season. I want a Ferrari that can win Formula One races. I want Sebastian Vettel, a four-time world champion, to have a car that can compete for you know, firsts, but also seconds and thirds, because you alluded to it earlier, there was a long time this season where Ferrari were just fourth and fifth and sixth and didn't even look like getting into the Red Bull Mercedes scrap. And that that's not, you know, we don't want to be third best. At, uh, <coughs> you know, I'm a Ferrari fan, and that's not good enough. Um, the, the budget that they have, the resources, the history they have, the drivers that they have at their disposal, the engineers that they have at their disposal, they need to be, you know... If they're not Mercedes dominant every single race, fine, but they need to have a car that can at least be challenging. And they didn't bring that this year. They just didn't. It looked like for maybe a couple of races at the start that they might, but it soon fell away. And in the end, there were it was a worse season this season than it, than it was the last season. And that, you know, they actually regressed, I think, rather than progressed. Like the Red Bulls clearly made progression this year. They made tangible progression. So did McLaren. Ferrari didn't. And I've just got down, change, competitive Ferrari, and in brackets, no wins, explanation mark. And that's that's not good enough. It's a short season of Formula 1, and they didn't get a single victory. So, yeah, there's my answer. Pretty straightforward. And it, and it links nicely into going on forward next season. What would I want next season? I want a competitive Ferrari. Simple as that. Nicky, what was your least favourite thing in Formula 1 this uh, year? Probably. And something you could change? I think... Most people, most people probably agree with me on this. Uh, that ridiculous qualifying session uh, in Australia and in <laughs> Bahrain. Yeah. What the hell was going on? I don't think any. I've, I've never seen a single person with a positive thing to say about that. Not one single thing. The thing, the thing that annoys me about that is the week when it was announced, I tweeted, "Oh, can't wait to see this. It'll be really good." <laughs> Put the kiss of death on that, didn't I? <laughs> I have to say, <clears throat> uh, you know, that's definitely something that's worth talking about because it it links something to what I've felt was one of my least favourite things about the season, and it was knee jerk FIA, which yeah. was that they just seemed to go, ah, idea, there we go, it's a rule, let's see how this all all pans out. Oh, it's rubbish, right? Well, let's take that away then, and it, it's like they did it with that. And they did it with the radio bands and um with the radio one, it could have cost Nico the championship. Yes. After being where did he finish in Silverstone? Second and he was demoted to third. Yes. If he'd have dropped back a place in Abu Dhabi, it would have cost him the championship. Yep. Would have been a bit silly. I mean you, you, you could you could potentially argue that maybe Lewis would have done better in Baku had he been able to have been told how to fix his engine quicker, but it's horses, of course. It's the whole thing that you even out over that, that that season. But it's the fact that they sort of went, okay. I mean, this is this is the rationale that they used for everything, which was go, ah, 
the fans have asked for this, or they want this, or they they want the fans want not the same cars on pole. What can we do to mix up, you know, the order? We can't. We're not going to do reverse grids because that's ridiculous. Um, you know, we're not going to do any kind of lottery system or, or or what have you. Well, let's do a knockout system so that you know you have to be on track all of the time, and um, there's a chance that people won't make it to the thing, so they might be out of position. And they just and it just was not thought through. There was no ah, let me let me really think what the ramifications of this might be, which were really obvious. Which is that um, if you're a fast car, you, you're you're still not going to be on the track. Um, if you're in a slow car, you're still going to end up in exactly the same place because you'll run out of tires before you'll run out of times to be out on the track. Uh, and then when you get down to the end of the the session, there's just going to be this whole place where cars know they can't go any faster, so they might as well not waste any tires. And the teams in front of them know they're much they're all they're, there's no way that those teams are going to catch them and they're not going out. So why should they bother going out? And the whole thing where Mercedes just sat in a garage until like the last seconds of the, the qualifying system to just go, okay, now we'll have a pole shootout, shall we? It was just, (laughs) it was so predictable. It was such a predictably bad idea that nobody had asked for. That's not what people had wanted. People wanted there to be more action on track. And the only way that you can do that to give the teams more tyres and say, you got as many tyres as you want, because that's the only reason that they'll be out on track when they don't have to be, is if it doesn't matter to them, if it makes no difference. So, that was stupid. And then the radio band was just that beautiful flip-flop of the FIA going, radio bands, tougher radio bands, no radio bands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the thing I'd like to change is that the FIA spend some time thinking about what they're trying to introduce before they're doing it um uh and my least favorite thing uh has actually been the media coverage of formula one this year i've found that i could have taken this season with a it's mercedes dominance and you know kind of lack of real fight across the grid there were a few fights but not a a lot up and down it really the cars were pretty much where they were you know in the pecking order I could have probably lived with that season had every single article that I seem to read every vignette on Sky Sports BBC Channel 4 wherever had just all been about Nico and Lewis um and or Max Verstappen. And it was just this relentless kind of clickbaity, we will put out the most ridiculous headlines about Nico and Lewis or Max or something like that. Something that, you know, and it just seemed to drive a sort of mean spiritedness throughout the fans. Um, you know, social media has been, I don't know about how you guys feel this. I feel like social media has been pretty horrible this F1 season. You you can't have an opinion on things without somebody mm. jumping in and telling you what a retard you are for thinking <laughs> that and what a biased, you know, kraut lover you are because you've said something and, you know, that wasn't positive about Lewis or you say, you know, say, oh, Nico in Austria, that was a really stupid move. And somebody goes, oh, yeah, you stupid British loving Lewis Hamilton, I bet. 
and all those bits and pieces. Or you say something like, hmm, Max probably shouldn't be doing that in Spa. And then suddenly the, the Netherlands invades your social media <laughs> for, for the next day telling you. Yeah, I mean, you follow and tweet about F1 an awful lot more than I do. So I don't really see that kind of thing so much. Um, the only time I really see it is when I wander over until, like, I sometimes go through, like, I'll click the last tweet from, from the Last Lap Podcast uh, Twitter account, and I'll, you know, if you click a tweet and you can scroll back through, like, a conversation that's been had for the last day or so. Or something. So just now and again, I'll have a lot of those through um every uh, the few conversations and stuff so and so you you get you get the bare brunt of it a bit more than i do but um i do agree it has it hasn't been it hasn't been very fun um and i think that's why when nico did did finally get the title in abu dhabi for me it was such a, a sense of relief and like a weight off my shoulders because it just the nico rosberg lewis hamilton fight had become a little bit not fun um with all of the all of the stuff going on away from the track in the media and and and, and things like that, it had become a, an element of um, oh, this is just dragging on. It's 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 taking a little bit of the joy away from what should be a, a great battle between two great drivers. So when Nico crossed the line, got it done. I did just feel kind of like this. God, it's over at last. Thank God for that. You know, it's over. You know, and his retirement, his retirement has compounded that because we're not even going to get the rematch now. So, apart from after the final, you have two weeks of did he really deserve it? Well, oh. I, I got oh. to the point where I got to the point. I just I, I avoided ninety five percent of yeah. that coverage because I knew where it was going to be and what it was going to be, and I knew how. I just I'm, I'm not even going to bother. Like I've seen. Uh, Andrew, you put up a tweet regarding the BBC, uh, and I stupidly went on and read the article, <laughs> and uh, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And it's such a shame from the BBC because they've got some really good journalists in there who who put up great quality content, but it seems to be dragged down by. I really don't want to name names because it's just, and, it's just pointless, but it's just. I think we know a, who you're talking about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's definitely one guy out there that you just think. Like really, just give it a rest. Do you know what I mean? Whether that you know, whether it's your personal bias or whether you feel that you have to do that because you think you're working for a, you know a British site. This is the problem, but... because I don't support Britain at sport very, at all, really. So, um, <laughs> Except I, the I, Scotsman, I wonder. I, well, no, but I don't support. I don't support Scotland. <laughs> I don't support Scotland at football. I don't support Scotland at rugby. I don't support anybody at rugby, but that's a different matter. No, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm the least patriotic guy in the world, and I don't support. I don't support um, Scottish football team. I don't particularly support British athletes. I don't see nationality. I, I pick sportsmen based on whether I like what they do in their field, regardless of their nationality. And uh, the that so I've kind of grown accustomed to over the years of just. Being able to desensitize myself to the to the British coverage that you're going to get when a British athlete or sportsman is at the pinnacle of their sport. Um, the Olympics are a prime example for that. I hate the Olympics because it's just four weeks of this media in this country fawning <laughs> yeah. over the, the 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 five or six good sportsmen that we that we, that that happen to have been born here, 
I can't stand the Olympics. And <laughs> well, I've as got... opposed to the, the 15 or 20 other good athletes that we've managed to import from other places we have previously oh. invaded in the past. Do you know what, actually? I, I support the English cricket team. That's about it. But again, that's not that's because... That's got to be a really hopeless pursuit for anybody. That's not, that's not because they're from here. That's because I, I quite like a lot of their players. And, you know, and that's what that's. I guess that's my ultimate point. It doesn't matter where you're from. If I like how you play the game or I like what you do on track in Formula 1 or on the pitch in football, then I'm, I'll be drawn to you and support you. So, the yeah, the, the way the media reports on British um, athletes and sportsmen is not not news to me. So I've kind of grown accustomed over the years of just avoiding it which has been a good skill to have this season because I do 100% agree with you Andrew it hasn't been it hasn't been very fun it hasn't been very good uh, and I'm I just hope next season new regulations Nico Rosberg's retired complete game changer hopefully we just get a fresh slate in all all formats both on the track and off the track hopefully do you agree with that statement Nicky or are you yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't really compare it to last year because I wasn't like talking about F1 on Twitter as much. But uh, yeah, you do get the odd comment that kind of makes you think, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> it's not a very nice outlook to have on that. <laughs> comments comments from, 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 you know, oddballs on Twitter and stuff is, 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 is fine. But it's it, like, it, like Andrew said, it's the BBC stuff and some of the Sky stuff. You know, people that are paid a lot of money to do this professionally. And... Have we seen um, the article this week on Sky about uh, there's not enough British drivers in F1? Oh, I've just seen that Don't come out. That. It's just like... that's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, Why is that relevant where they're from? We want the best drivers <laughs> yeah. on the grid. We want the best 20 guys on the grid, the best 20 race car drivers in the world should be the guys in the Formula One. Like, what does it matter where they're from? Like, isn't this coming, like, only a few years after, like, there were more British drivers on the grid than any other nation? Yeah. Well, no, Formula still... One is a worldwide sport, you know, and there's still, what, <laughs> And you've got, to, you've got to think, if any nation has, has cause to complain why they don't have any drivers in a sport that realistically their country loves... Where the hell are the Italian drivers? Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> Where, Gianna you know, Trulli and Giancarlo yep. Fisichella retired five years ago, you know? And, and Vitantonio Liuzzi. It's yeah. like, you're like, wow. You're, you know, and, you're stretching now. You know, and, and if you actually sit and think about it, you've got Julian Palmer's retained his drive, and you've got Lewis Hamilton, a three-time world champion. There's two drivers. That's, what, 10% of the grid, you know? Yeah, like uh, Formula One's a worldwide sport, and they've still got ten percent of the grid. That's you know, that's, that's an absolutely fair amount. If you think of every uh, country that it goes to, you know, yeah, uh, you know, if, yeah. if you had one one from every country, there'd be twenty drivers, and we've got two from this country. So, you know, it's a, it's a non-story, and it's just an irritant uh, that that's the focus when there's so much other things that we should be focusing on. Where's Where's Lance Stroll from? I have absolutely Canada. no idea. Is he Canadian? Isn't it funny <laughs> yeah. that, you know, after uh, we they've got Austin and they desperately want Las Vegas or New York and stuff, that the closest we've got to a North American driver is a Canadian. <laughs> how can, how can it, Canada yeah. produce? <laughs> they do love it in Canada, though, don't they? Well, they do, but it's not like they're particularly noted for, you know, outside of Villeneuve, really, producing historic champions of the of the past. Really, so you've got Villeneuve and Alpes is the most famous... <laughs> Canadians in, have ever been in Formula One for for two very different reasons, realistically. Um, so it's just... one could argue that Lance Stroll's in Formula One for a different reason than Pat. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I think, yeah, well... Hmm. Alpice is the guy who got reti- who got disqualified for driving too slowly. Too slowly, slowly. yes. Yeah. <laughs> what a legend. He's my favourite. Him, him and Taki Anui, as far as I'm concerned, you know, just legends. Taki Anui's was... Did you see Taki Anui's job application for Mercedes? Yeah, I've seen, I that as well. I caught that this week. Holds record for being hit by the... the um, the doctor's car twice. <laughs> yeah, not not <laughs> once, not once, but twice. That, that was the best part. Like, uh, it's it was genius. Takanui's Twitter is just hilarious. He's absolutely him and Guido Vandergaard are some of the best ex Formula yep. One guys to have on. Twitter. I've been following Guido recently. He is good. He did, he's not shy about speaking his mind. <laughs> no, he he needs to be signed up by somebody. He needs to either be driving in Formula E or Formula One or something something big because the, the world is missing out on him. In a top formula on TV and stuff, because um, I'd take him in the sky, uh, punditry. Yeah, at this stage, I'd get, well, I'd certainly get get him. You know, I mean, him. we've got Johnny Herbert as we spoke about earlier. How, how's that? That guy's <laughs> that guy's employed because what? Because he's British, basically. That's why he's he won a couple of races. Yeah, that's it, really. They got Graham. They, they got uh, Graham Hill. <laughs> Blimey, they didn't get Graham Hill. <laughs> they, hey, I, I like Damon. I don't Damon's have anything right. to say about Damon Hill. The I thing like... I like about Damon is he is not. He is prepared to say something different than whatever Lazenby yeah. and Herbert are saying. Uh, he's and like like Brundle is. Brundle will say something because that's what he really believes, regardless of whether it's. And you the know thing when Brundle says something, well. you know when he says something that he, he means it. You know he's not just regurgitating. You know, formulaic what he thinks should be said. You know, Martin Brundle, when he talks, he talks f- with passion. And, uh, you know, you go- whether you might disagree with his opinion, you- at least you know he- he's-, he's saying it from the best intentions. Yeah. Whereas guys like Herbert and to an extent David Croft, although H- Herbert kind of just is almost like on autopilot, just yeah. not, not, <laughs> not saying anything of substance. And Crofty just talks a load of tosh, basically. So that's the problem with those two. Crofty has opinions, they're just wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> but Johnny Herbert doesn't have any opinions. <laughs> oh, dear. Johnny Herbert is a clickbait article, like a walking <laughs> clickbait article. It's just, it's just Magnolia paint. That's all he is. Like, 80% and- of these former world champions should retire. Find out who by clicking on Johnny by Johnny Herbert. Herbert. <laughs> We're definitely not getting signed up by Sky no. or C on the back of this, are we? Channel Four. I like them. I like David Coulthard. They can sign us up. I like DC. But and yes. they got Karen Chandock, and I like Karen Chandock. I was really disappointed that Sky didn't keep him on for the Skypad because I find Anthony Davis incredibly dull as well. I like. I don't mind Anthony, and I don't mind Paul DeResta either. I don't mind Paul DeResta. I don't like him on the Skypad. I like him when he's doing the the commentary on the yep. uh, qualifying, uh, the, uh, the practices and stuff. I think he actually does that really, really well. He did um, a race when, when Brundle was he sick. He did, yeah, and he wasn't too bad, was he? I, I had good things to say about him. Uh, I'm a, I like Paul DeResta. I've got nothing bad to say about him, both as a driver and as a pundit. So he's, he's he gets a tick. He's a good play-by-play guy, I think. Do you know what I mean? He's got... He can describe the Formula 1 technical side of it well. Um, he's not the greatest colour guy. <laughs> he's a, slightly of the Andy Murray uh, <laughs> m- monotonous... <laughs> kind of way of speaking but I, I like what he says I like listening to what he says um, like I said I, love, I liked Karen Chaddock when he was on I think there was somebody who talked like he had you know had passion and stuff about what he was doing and I, I much prefer that um, I don't know I'm going to ask Nicky this just because I haven't asked him for anything for about five minutes as I've complained bitterly about the media um, Ted Kravitz this season have you enjoyed him this 
this season as much as maybe the last few seasons? Oh, it's a good question. I do, see, I, I still always go out of my way to watch his notebook. See, I've but, stopped. I, I don't really watch them. I can't, if the notebook's on and I'm sitting around, I'll watch it, but I don't go out of my way to watch it. It's nothing against get... Ted, but I don't know. It's just. Yeah. I oh. always find you get little interesting little bits of information. It just seems to be peppered now with a lot of what I would consider the um, opinion of the day. Yeah. And I dislike yeah. that. I liked it when I felt here is Ted Kravitz, super F1 fan, who is interested in finding out all the little things that you wouldn't normally get to find out about and was just really passionate about it. And now I feel like he's a presenter and that puts me off it a little bit. It feels like a little bit fake and forced. And that, that wasn't why I liked Ted Kravitz. So I hope he I hope he goes back to being a bit more, isn't it cool that I get to wander about the pit lane and ask ridiculous questions to people and find out, you know, what um, Marcus Ericsson had for dinner or um, <laughs> what colour shoes... Um, Nico Hockenberg is wearing is wearing now, or or something. All the little stupid things you just think. Actually, I'm quite glad I know that. Thanks for finding that out, Ted. That's really quite. That's really quite useful. Do you know what uh, Ted's full name is? No. Hang on, let me find it. It's good. Theodore Joseph Nathaniel Slotover. <laughs> it's not even Kravitz. It's not even Kravitz. I think Kravitz is his mother's maiden name. Oh. So there you go. Fun fact of the day. Funny, what was the, the the last name? Slossover. Slossover, yeah. How funny! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never look at him the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not really Lenny's brother. No, that's that's even funnier, isn't it? His cousin Lenny he keeps on talking about. Not really your cousin, mate, is he? So once removed, maybe. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, let's carry on with the it's technically the last question, and then we'll just have a quick. Um, We've all had a good whinge about the media, so that's definitely one thing we'll change. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, so biggest hope for Formula One next year a- and or the the thing that you'd like to change, for, you know, that you would personally change for next year? Well, mine links to uh, what we were saying about qualifying and I'm getting really bored of just watching on a Saturday and knowing that a Mercedes is going to be on pole. It takes a lot of the fun away. And uh, like Mercedes, uh, Red Bull were getting closer to Mercedes towards the end of the year and there was always a little threat that they could beat them if they tried hard enough but Mercedes always turned their engines up and you knew realistically that they were always going to be on pole but um, for next year I'd like to see closer qualifying where like you go in thinking that any of eight drivers could take pole is that too much to hope for? It probably is but (laughs) I I I 100% agree but Set. At this moment, you'd, you'd take three, wouldn't you? Really? It's just one more <laughs> yeah, yeah, than yeah. the two current <laughs> Mercedes... Well, well, not the current Mercedes drivers anymore, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I definitely... I'm 100% behind you on there. I just want... Yeah, I, I just want somebody who can turn the wick up on their engines and just make Mercedes sweat. I want Saturdays to be exciting again. Yep, I agree with that, because I used to love qualifying sort of in the, the mid-2000s, and it has definitely definitely been on the slide it's not it's not Mercedes fault but it is what it is you're definitely right it isn't exciting just you know if you had Ferrari Red Bull and and Mercedes uh, 
all able to finish in the top six in qualifying, but in any order, you know, that that's what you yeah. want, really. You yeah. know, one week it's Vettel from Ricardo from Lewis, next week it's Lewis from Verstappen from Raikkonen, next week it's, you know, just, you know, those, you know, just, sorry, just a little bit of a mix up in the order because you, there isn't, there's an element of a bit two by two by two at the moment in yeah. F1 where it's the two Mercedes, then the two Rebels, then the two Ferraris, then the two Williams, or then the two Force Indias. And there is a lot. That needs that needs addressed. It need, we need a bigger shake up between the, the inter team rivalries, I think. Yeah, we, we definitely had a bit too much. I, mean, I think in the races as well. Yeah, a, absolutely. a little bit too Noah's Arky, where the cars, you were just like, this is going to be these, it's going to be Mercedes, Rebel, Ferrari, probably Force India ahead of um, uh, Williams, who are probably going to be ahead of uh, McLaren, um, who will be ahead of. Uh, Toro Rosso, who are probably ahead of Haas, who are probably ahead of Renault, who are probably ahead of blah blah blah. As you work your way down, yep. And you might have gotten a the odd, you know, mix. You know, maybe the Alonso snuck in ahead of a Force India and things like that. But in general, there was a very two by two feeling towards the back end of the season there. So that that's that links to qualifying, but also and the race uh, definitely that needs addressed. Yeah, some, the one of my biggest hopes is that we lose the. Um, tire saving fuel burning middle race mentality <laughs> yeah quagmire it is of cars not pushing because they need to make a stint last whilst at the same time you know you know watching fuel because they have to put you know they the the limits on it just mean that they're so much more on the edge that you you know it wasn't so bad this year for fuel saving because they've made the, the engines so much more efficient, which I think just goes to show you how Formula One works. Is it finds a problem and then it it fixes it and goes well if you're not going to give us enough fuel to do the race, we'll just make the engines more efficient. We'll use as much <laughs> fuel as we possibly can get away with, uh, you know, until we have to do something to make it work better. Um, but I'd like to yeah whatever if they could find a way to stop this bit where whatever the second stint is. It's generally the long, boring one. Yep. I'd like to see that that go. And I don't know how you do that. I don't know whether the only way that you could do that was to be to have bigger gaps in the tires. You'd have to have bigger gaps with more with more drop off. You'd have to bring back the cliff, which seems to have gone, um, and have bigger gaps between the tires. And then somebody might say, "Well, actually." You know, maybe it is worth me strapping on a fast set of boots. They're not going to last me so long, but I can make up so much more time doing that than the other way around. But there does the, the tires seem fairly close. Do you remember we were talking about this in the last episode, John? Weren't we? That mm-hmm. you sat there and you go, they, the teams are saying it's you know we've got uh, super soft, soft and medium this this race. Nobody's going to be racing the super softs, um, and ninety percent of the time that would be the case because they want the fastest tire for going fast, and they want the hard tire for going long distance, and those two things would then be the tyres that you'd use. Um, and only very occasionally did that sort of third compound come into it. Came into it at the start when nobody fancied the hard tyres and then it turned out the medium tyre was actually an amazing race tyre. They all seemed to find out after sort of three races, they went, ooh, we should probably bring a few more sets of the mediums now because, you know, they actually go pretty fast and last last a long time going fast. Um, and as we brought the, the ultra softs in at the end, it just kind of, killed the point of the super softs like literally teams were bringing like one set of the super soft to a race weekend you're just like well you might as well have not bothered and just said <laughs> bring whatever sets you want you know um 
So I'd, I'd like that's why one big hope I hope to see. Yep, I agree with that. Everything you've just said. I've got a couple. Um, obviously, going back to what we would change this year, I want a competitive Ferrari next year. That much is clear. But I have one major uh, caps lock explanation mark wish for 2017, and that is I want Max Verstappen to win the world championship. I, w- I want Red Bull to bring a quick car, first and foremost, and I want Max to win the world championship. Mainly because I'm going to bet him to win the world championship. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Altruism to, to the last. <clears throat> uh, I want, I'd love to see Max win. And uh, I've just got a wee hunch that having a little bet on Red Bull to win the Constructors or Max to win the title next year might be a little bit of value in the market just because the regulation changes should, in theory, help Red Bull out. And given that Nico Rosberg's now no longer there, that's one key rival away. It's obviously Lewis is going to be the man to beat, but it all comes down to what cars these guys turn up with in... Um, in Melbourne and I'm going to take a little bit of a chance that Red Bull, I'm basically betting 50-50 are Red Bull going to get it right over the winter and I'm going to take a little bit of a chance I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and bet Max Verstappen to win the world title so that's my biggest number one wish for 2017 is Max to win. Other than that everything you said Andrew is spot on about the mid-race lull uh, and um, yeah competitive Ferrari uh, Sebastian Vettel to have a, a race-winning car, I think would be right up there as well on my wish list. So, I quite like to see a more competitive McLaren as well. I mean, that's on a personal note. Then I think, <clears throat> I think the sport needs those those teams. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm quite realistic in my, you know, uh, and I think I have been over the last few years about what, what McLaren really are doing, um, and the progress that they're making. I'd really hope that 2017 was the season where they could really be uh, ahead of Williams and Force India, bring bring the car to a point where there's an outside chance of that podium position. Do you know what I mean? The way that there is for kind of Force India this season where, you know, Perez could pick yeah. up the odd third place and, and yeah. stuff. You'd think that's where I'd like to see McLaren next season because I think it would show that the car is continuing to progress in a logical and sustained fashion so that by 2018... Yeah they're in a position to really have a, a, a challenging a, a car to challenge <laughs> they've already had the challenging car uh, <laughs> a car to challenge for for you know for race wins victories and hopefully you know from my point of view uh, titles again um but i i would take generally a more competitive field uh, front to back I, I you know i would be happy to see a concatenation between Mercedes down to even Toro Rosso. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't wouldn't be upset if Toro Rosso brought a decent car with their, you know, the updated engine next season. And are they going to get the Red Bull engine from this year or from next? A brand new engine. They are get. I think. I think so. I think they get the either that or they get the Renault one or the other. Yeah, I think uh, it's a Renault tagged engine, isn't it? Well, well that's the uh, Red Bull have got the tag. Um, labelled engine, haven't they? Which is supposed yeah. to be their own IP. Um, but I don't know if Toro Rosso are getting that engine or whether they're re-signed with Renault. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't seen a lot of it about because the only thing I've seen about engines next year was Sauber taking this season's um, Ferrari engine for cost saving. That's depressing. <laughs> yeah. If, <laughs> actually, if there, there's another thing I could change for season is to Sauber to not be so quite... <laughs> quite so dismal 
because um, yeah. it's sad to see <laughs> that team. I mean, I've <clears throat> I don't know how other people feel about this. I have lost a reasonable amount of respect for Sauber um, in the last couple of seasons, but especially this season. I just feel like it's a team being managed incredibly badly. They had all the promise in the world and have always managed to do kind of spectacular things. You know, how they've managed to outlast a team like Minardi, who at least had uh, you know a long racing pedigree and all those bits and pieces. They've outlasted all of those things and managed to bring on the car like the car that um, Perez had where you would think, oh my, you know, what is this car doing at the front of the grid? Uh, and it feels like it's kind of been squandered over the last few seasons. And then you get the stupid thing of having four drivers for two seats. <laughs> um, uh, the backers of one of the drivers essentially buying the team. <clears throat> It'll be a different colour next year, though, so that's something. I like Probably the current. I like the current uh, server. That's actually one of the nicer yeah. ones on the grid for me. It's it's colourful. Like I'm sick of this chrome fascination. <laughs> that's yes. Sucked into Formula One. Everything's grey and chrome and dull. I want bright colours. I want. I'm delighted the Renaults brought back the yellow. I want to see a right good emerald green that we haven't seen since the days of Eddie Irvine's Jaguar. You know, I want to see. You know, the, remember the orange arrows, things like that. You know, that's, you want you want you want a colourful grid. Not everything needs to be dull and dark. Well, there's there's something actually. There's a, another thing that I I think I'd be happy to get behind. Um, has anybody been following Tim Holm's design? Yeah, uh, his... they are brilliant. Um, they are absolutely brilliant. But I think I mean I think it, that... it's a pie in the sky idea because getting it past the sponsors and bits and pieces would be a nightmare. But <clears throat> I just think it'd be just brilliant to just have a uh, at least something on the cars that made them more obviously for the drivers. You know, even if even if the main yeah. body of a Ferrari was red, but it had some things on it that made it go, ah, that's that's Seb's Ferrari as opposed to Kimmy's, or you know, that's um, that's Alonso's McLaren compared to to Jensen's. You know, a big bois on the side of Kimmy's. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. They need to somehow make the exhaust on the Ferrari do that when it's coming out of a you know all of its gear so it's a blah, 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 ice cream <laughs> i i love the designs that you're talking about but I, I i'm also quite a traditionalist in the sense that i like the two drivers to have that are in the team that that's the t- that's the car that's the team's design and that's what it should be kind of thing so i'm not sure i'm 100% on board for individual unique uh driver liveries but yeah they're, they're certainly really really cool designs from a conceptual point of view i think if you think about it, if you if you made the side pods and the you know the main body of it the team color and then the um air vent at the top <clears throat> on the side of that had some kind of design that then you know went down the back of the car i think that would be nice it, you know it wouldn't it wouldn't overly change the 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 color concept of a car i don't think to have that on there so you know you you'd still have a uh, a ninety percent red Ferrari and everybody will be able to spot that it was a Ferrari. Um, I think it's it, I think it's more doable than I think people give it credit. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be nice to see something like that. Slightly related, um, and but it's been a couple of years since implementation. I hate the number system that they do at the moment. Oh really? Where everybody has the yeah, I absolutely hate it. Uh, I want the first team from last season to have one and two, the second team to have three and four, and thus throughout the order of the grid. Uh, because it, it just it shows 
You know, you want the pride of having the highest number as possible. You know, we are number one or, you know, like this season, Force India have finished ahead of the Williams. So next year they would get to have a higher number up than, than Williams. Uh, and that's, you know, it's just a tiny little thing, but I don't like the individual unique numbers. Uh, I, I didn't, wasn't sure about it when it first came in. And now that it's been a couple of years, I'm not, I, I don't dig it. I want, I want one to 20 throughout the grid in in the order that it should be uh but again like i'm 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 i'm, I'm a better old man resistant to change so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that, that's a little that's a, a minor bugbear of mine in modern formula one i don't like seeing 44 on pole position every week <laughs> so. i must admit i wasn't a fan when it first came in but i i'm i'm kind of used to it now so now I think about the drivers in terms of their numbers, I'm kind of less against it. I quite like that I know that 77 is Valtteri Bottas. I've got no idea who anybody's number is apart from the two Mercedes. For some, I don't know why. Those two have stuck in my head and the rest just haven't. I know Mercedes, Nico was 6 and Lewis is 44 and I can't think for the life of me what the other guys are. Not even the Ferraris. I've got no idea what the Red Bull numbers are. No idea. No, I don't either. Oh, uh, they but three and thirty-three, aren't they? Yeah, because yeah. everybody was joking that you can't do multi twenty-one like that because yeah. <laughs> it'll be three and three, 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 <laughs> three, 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 or three, three, three. <laughs> um, anything else? Anything else, Nikki, that you can think of that you'd like to say? Anything uh, you'd like? To, you'd really like to change? Ah, uh, I'm quite happy <laughs> with how it is. <laughs> Just if everything was you're wrong. you're on the wrong podcast, Nikki. That's <laughs> well, you are not allowed to be happy with anything in Formula One. Realistically, <laughs> in the current regulations that we've got, or the change in regulations that we've got, I don't see how how much better you can make it unless you completely rewrite the regulations, which I'm up for doing. <laughs> rewrite everything. That 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 could be a whole a whole other one hour sort of let's completely redesign the sport you know special special edition podcast man yeah just trying to think there was something else i was thinking about what would i want to change um what about the what about the man running the show yes um would you want to change that? that's my big hope is that sooner rather than later liberty complete this takeover and um bernie goes because uh he's it seems to be his final mission to kill off as many good races as he possibly can before he goes and completely get rid of everything um as in some you know for some bizarre sadistic fantasy that he wants to shove it to um all the racetrack owners who have stiffed him through the years or tried to get better deals out of him. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, because it feels like Liberty Media should take a more holistic approach on that and go, you know, classic tracks add to the show of Formula One, you know, and gives it gravitas and history. It isn't just a money-making exercise to see how much you can bleed out of a circuit before they say, no, we can't afford to race here. And you say, oh, that's fine. We'll find an oil rich nation in the middle of goddamn nowhere and host a race there. Shall we, you know, Baku wasn't a terrible street circuit. It wasn't great, but I don't know why we're racing there. 
other than it, it's it's made CVC a buttload of cash and all the CVC shareholders a buttload of cash. It's done nothing for Formula One at all in any way, shape, or form. It's not opened it up to a brand new you know a brand new audience of people who are now suddenly interested in Formula One because of Baku. It's just not happened. Um, so you might as well have had that in Turkey with no crowds, but at least the racing looked good on TV. At least the <laughs> show was good, even if you know nobody could afford to go in and um, and get into it. But then, whose fault is it that nobody could afford to go in and watch the Grand Prix? You know, why have we why have we not got an Indian Grand Prix in a in a country that's quite clearly you know mad for anything sporting and would be quite happy to be a you know uh, a, a motorsport type venue? We, you know, we got it for two years. And, you know, then the screws were turned and they said, well, you know, as much as we're a booming economy, we haven't got money to just chuck it and it, it goes off the calendar. And I, I thought the Indian circuit wasn't too bad, really, all, all in all. Certainly no worse than a lot of the ones that are still on the calendar. All of our desert races on completely flat mill pond circuits with little undulation and, and height changes and stuff. I think my main memory of India is Lewis Hamilton driving around with the Astro uh, turf stuck to his <laughs> oh, yes, I'd forgotten front about wing. That. that was a funny moment. <laughs> and also Seb's uh, celebration when he won his fourth title. That's one of my favourite F1 moments, I think. Oh, yes, with the big donuts and getting out and doing his yeah. car. Did you see any of the photoshops of Nico Rosberg jumping out of his car? Yes, oh, that was Some really good ones. Some really good ones. The, uh, the ejector seat was my favourite yeah. one. <laughs> so, while we're talking about what we hope for 2017, then who do we hope is uh, who or who do we think is a Mercedes? Then looking like Valtteri Bottas. Everybody happy with that? Seems to be, doesn't it? And it it's it's weird that it seems to have come at the expense of Paddy Lowe. But I don't yes. know if those things. I don't know if those things are actually related, or it's just yeah. One I'm of those... struggling to work that out. It might just be a very strange coincidence that Paddy happens to be going there at the same time Valtteri's coming in the other way, but yeah. It probably makes it easier, doesn't it? It probably makes it easier for Mercedes to say, well, look, you, you know, you'll get our chief. But ultimately, Paddy's out of contract, so I think it's him that's making the decision. But it seems to be that way, and I think... And Williams must have opened up the checkbook, otherwise why is he moving, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, he's certainly not going to be short for a bobble to, I think, going there. Um, and the interesting thing is, obviously, the the rumor is now that then James Allison is going to go in and replace mm-hmm. him. So having left Ferrari, he's going to go and, and work for Mercedes, which would be interesting because obviously with the regulation changes, he's kind of one of those people that you you would want in and around the team, I think, to um, to oversee those kind of kind of changes. Um, but it does then- seem interesting that that i've mentioned this and i've kind of done it tongue-in-cheek so if you've seen the tweets then you know i wasn't 100 percent serious but isn't it interesting that lewis hamilton goes to a team has three or four really good years and then the team seems to implode (laughs) you know it's you know three or four good seasons at mclaren and then nothing The the team just sort of imploded the whitmarsh years of oh Martin Whitmarsh, God, I'd forgotten all about him. <laughs> I think Martin Whitmarsh has forgotten about Martin Whitmarsh. I think he has to wake up in the morning and goes, who are you again? Oh, yes, I'm Martin Whitmarsh. The yeah. only thing that I remember about Martin Whitmarsh is that I once went to the Goodwood Festival of Speed uh, and Martin Whitmarsh was there with Mika Hakkinen, 
uh, and somebody else. Uh, and these two women um, of a certain age um, and size uh, were so desperate to get Mika Hakkinen's um, autograph. And obviously Mika wasn't turning around because he's Mika Hakkinen. And so they just started screaming at the top of their lungs, Martin! Martin! Um, and eventually Martin Whitwash turned around and he got his son to go over the over to them to find out what they wanted because he was just like, I'm not talking to them. <laughs> and they, they got Martin Whitwash's son to go and get Mika Hakkinen to autograph their Goodwood Festival things. And that's the only thing that I could really tell you definitively defines my view of Martin Whitwash. <laughs> It was somebody else's job to do the dirty work. <laughs> that seems like a good summarization of of the man. <laughs> but yeah, but that, I, I think that it, it would be interesting to see that you know after three or four years at, at Mercedes, they've come to a point now where one driver's quit rather than be in the team with him, and now their chief strategist also seems to say, "I'd rather be at Williams than at Mercedes. I'd rather not continue to do this." It, it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, I'd rather not win titles with you and be happy if you don't mind and not have to deal with. Interestingly about Paddy is I, I get the impression that he, he's eyeing up the, you know, the top, the top dog gig at a team as opposed to being, I suppose that's know, true. As uh, to being second in command to Toto. I mean, he'd Toto's, have to knock off Toto, wouldn't he? To yeah. To, Toto's the man at Mercedes and, and, and Paddy does all the, does all the strategy stuff. Sure. But Toto's the big dog when it comes to picking the driver lineups and all that kind of thing. And, and I guess the stuff away from the technical side of the car, Toto makes all the decisions. I think Paddy fancies having complete 100% control. Cause and um, I, I guess Williams will have, probably offered him that to get him to come who's, from Mercedes. Who's the guy who's retiring from Williams? I can't remember. It's Pat Simons, former Renault uh, head honcho alongside Briatore uh, back in the Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Uh, so the man who was banned for several years for his part in the Nelson Piquet uh, crash safety car. Crashgate, that's what they called it, didn't they? Crashgate. Uh, Singapore incident. Simons had a few years out of the sport. And I'm as far as I'm aware, his contract runs out at the end of 2017, and that'll be him. So the talk is that they'll do Paddy Lowe comes in, they'll have the two of them there as a transitional period, and then boom, it's all it's, it's all Paddy. Uh, and Simons uh, goes off into the sunset at the end of 2017. Because Paddy Lowe is a former Williams employee, isn't he? Yeah, he started there in the eighties. Long, I mean, before he, before he was at McLaren, obviously he spent a while at McLaren and then went to Mercedes. But yeah, back in the in the eighties, he did work for Williams. Yeah, so I definitely feel like he fancies his chances now. He's at that stage of his career, you know, where it's now or never in terms of having the the top mm. dog gig, and it looks as if he's going to say, "Okay, we'll take a risk. We'll move to a team who's clearly, you know, not not in a position to win races that Mercedes are, but." Regulation changes coming up. Now it, it has to be now. I think really it's now or never for Paddy if he fancies a shot at this. Uh, and Williams have obviously looked at it and said, "Well, we're getting an opportunity here to bring in the guy who's just you know masterminded three world championship victories. So let's give him whatever he wants, basically, <laughs> to get him to come. It looks as if he's going to. It looks as if Paddy's going to going to do it because there was a contract on the table from Mercedes. Mm. Yeah, I'd read thing. that. 
there was a contract on the table from Mercedes, and basically, from reading between the lines, Williams bettered it. So there has to be some offer from Williams for P- Paddy to say, I'm getting a better deal over here, thanks. I'll, I'll see you later, you know. Yeah, but it's certainly going to be an interesting one because then, you know, see James Allen goes in at Mercedes and he's not not, not, not exactly a, a shabby replacement, is he? So, no. Um, but but it's, a, it's a lot of upheaval all at once, isn't it? You know, from, uh, from Nico going... You know, the chat is just going. It's you know, change changes. You know, change is difficult to manage in any business. Well, look at Ferrari, um, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? After, uh, after years of having the same people in place and the consistency that that breeds, you know, a, a little yeah. change here and there, and it just not clicking in exactly the same way. Well, exactly, and 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 if they don't get it right in twenty seventeen, it can spiral, and before you know it, there's three four years of doldrums, and that's exactly what's happened with Ferrari and it's what's happened with McLaren and it's what's happened with Williams in the past so it's an interesting one um, And it, I think the interesting thing I don't know if Nicky if you agree with this does it feel kind of self-inflicted as well I guess so um, there's only so long you can spend at the top of the spot isn't there and uh, eventually you're going to get a little bit tired and wanting something more than just going and winning this every weekend I, I think you kind of get to the point where you seek a sort of um, a challenge rather than just being happy where you are, if you get what I mean. Yeah, and I I wonder if, because the Mercedes, you know, mentality seems to have been that, you know, um, (laughs) Mercedes Uber Alles, no, um, (laughs) the, the team above everything else. And I wonder if, if you're an ambitious person that, you know, in the way that Formula One kind of used to be very cutthroat and stuff like that, that know your role attitude, you know, you have a place yeah. within the cog that is the Mercedes team. Do not, you know, we have placed you in said cog position. Don't think that you could be a different cog. Don't think you could be a bigger <laughs> cog. Just be a cog and enjoy it. Um, whether that doesn't necessarily suit certain types of Formula One people, when it comes down to how they like to go about their business, because it's it's unusual for Formula One, isn't it? I think everybody kind of understands that there's so few opportunities in Formula One. You have to be very good and you know very ruthless to to get anywhere. Um, so that kind of we're all a big happy family, so long as you do as you're told, and uh, you know don't don't make trouble for the rest of the team. It's interesting that it's Williams that he's going into because they've obviously got Rob Smedley in there, uh, and they've also obviously got Claire Williams as running the team. So, you know, you've got a strategy guy and you've got a, you know, a commercial. And Claire seems to be doing a really good job. Yeah, I well, think, you know, I do agree with that in general. Although that that you know, from a car development point of view, there has been regression this season. I think uh, I think a lot of that is budget related, which <laughs> should be sorted out next year. <laughs> with the the arrival of the what first attracted you to son of a billionaire Lance Stroll as your second driver oh I, I, I don't know the Canadian Any, man. nice hair <laughs> anybody know how much he's paying to be there I don't say that knowing the answer that's a genuine question uh, I, I believe it's in the tens of millions I yeah, believe yeah. Jesus <laughs> I, I, 
I've seen figures banded about some between single figure millions and, and and more, but I'm sure it is something within a ridiculous, ridiculously large amount of money that you know he is plugging a very large gap. Now he might be a great driver and he's done well in his junior formula, but he's he's kind of doing a Max Verstappen straight up into Formula One, but. Not everybody can be Max no. Verstappen. No, and I think everybody fancied that Max Verstappen could do that. Yeah, it's, I don't think he's as well-rounded as Max was when he arrived in F1. <laughs> which, which says a lot, because Max wasn't particularly yeah. well-rounded when he got into F1. <laughs> he was blisteringly fast, but he was not necessarily all that smart about what he used it. Yeah, but said, Ma- said the back of Roman Grosjean's <laughs> Lotus. <laughs> with Max, there was kind of the inkling that he was going to be quite good. Uh with Lance, there isn't as much of a buzz around him. No, and it would be a bit of a shame because if he turns out to be a great driver, and it was, you know, everybody sort of wrote him off because yeah. he was bringing a large check with him. I that think we've got to give him a chance before you before we judge him on his money. Well, you know, <laughs> n- not everybody can be. Um... He might be a billionaire and a good race driver. <laughs> <Is this> a... <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Um... Yeah, not everybody can be Will Stevens, can they? It's. Uh... Will the lad Stevens? <laughs> I miss Will Stevens. <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, and Max Chilton in a in a strange kind of way. <laughs> Max was on the radio chatting the other day. He came across really well, you know. He's a man that I didn't really think about that much when he was in the sport, but having listened to him uh, for quite a while on on the radio the other day, he seems to, you know, from from an analysis punditry point of view, he's, he's certainly someone that sounded like mm. he kind of he kind of knew what he was talking about. So he's a man that I wouldn't be unhappy seeing kick around the uh, the punditry circuit. So he's um is he doing IndyCar or something yeah. like that? Yeah, he's doing all right as well, isn't he? I don't think he's doing too badly. Yeah, I think he's doing all right-ish. He was which... quite good in uh, Indy Lights, which is a ah maybe series. that was it. Maybe yeah, yeah, he did well. In. I think that's kind of nice because it was it was difficult because obviously he did come in and and support you know his his drive with um, with some reasonable backing as well. Yeah. Um, but I always liked him. I thought he was really he always came across really nice um, in interviews. And as as Sean will attest to, we like nice drivers on this podcast. We'll we we give quite a lot. <laughs> we absolutely do. <laughs> nice drivers and Nick Heidfeld, which is really what it comes down to. Well, Nick Heidfeld's a nice driver. <laughs> this is true as well. Um, quick question to to you guys: Any plans to watch some Formula E in the break between now and? Uh, one race, isn't there? Sorry, is there only like one race in that that gap? I think there might possibly be only. Which they've really messed that up, haven't they? They've not because it was supposed that. to be. It was supposed to be something for the off season. And now it's just at the same time as F1. Yeah. Um, the nice thing I like about for the Formula E is that um, if if you want to watch it all, it's done in an hour. You watch the the, the yeah. build up to the race, which tells you what happened in qualifying. Um, the qualify, it's it would be useless for Formula One, but I like the qualifying in Formula yeah, E. It works. It's I good. like the I like idea it. that everybody goes out. You have a couple of shots at it, um, and then the final people go out and do essentially one lap um to to set the pole and it's re- it's always on a knife edge um unless you're <laughs> did you see John Eric Vernon in the last race where he <laughs> failed to make it out of the pits in time so pulled up oh, yeah, pulled up to the pit that, yeah. pit exit and then the pit lane <laughs> lights went red so he couldn't do his fast lap just because they took too long to get the car out there 
Or he got out there and then the car shut off and he couldn't turn it back on again. <laughs> it's got to be the most <laughs> sort of impotent feeling you can have in a race car. Um, I've really enjoyed Formula E this season. I, you know, I have to say, I, I, I've watched one or two races of the last couple of seasons and I wasn't sure about it, but I said to myself I'd, I'd give it a go from the start this season. Um, and I've been really pre- pleasantly surprised by the, the, the sort of content of the racing um, and stuff. And you, you get used to the, the sound fairly quickly. Yeah. But it, the thing is as well, it's not as fast as Formula 1, obviously, but it kind of looks as fast because of the camera angles. It's mm. so much closer to the ground. And and, and the street circuit. So you're, yeah. you're everything is going past, at a, yeah. you know, it seems like a million miles an hour because it's so much closer. Um, the cars are, sometimes it's funny like you look at somewhere in Monza when they do the long camera shots it looks like yeah. the cars are going no speed at all until they literally pass the camera um, but everywhere it looks like they're going fast all the time in Formula E yeah. even that you know that they're not going anywhere near as fast as a, a as a Formula 1 car mm. um, I do like it I think it's a good little series yeah I think as soon as they get the battery thing sorted so they don't have to swap cars because that feels really gimmicky having yeah. a, a set pit time period because they've got they have to stay in the pits for a certain amount of time to make sure that they yeah. buckle up all properly and stuff um so i think as soon as they do that and they can make it last the whole race even if that's they have to do some battery management that's fine because that's the same as fuel management and that doesn't bother me in and of itself um and i like the fact i also like the fact in formula e that um the teams have all pretty much gone for different solutions there's only a couple of people who have copied the ideas that other teams have gone with their flywheel designs and bits and pieces and gearbox designs, I, I think it's that interests me more than something like how we've ended up in Formula One, where we've got this incredible engine, this incredibly technical engine, but there's kind of one way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. So I like that there's there's the teams have, have got this sort of freedom to go about doing stuff and then um, you know build their designs around it. It's it's quite cool. Plus, they seem to do more interesting uh, colours on the cars in Formula E. Yeah, it always makes it more uh, more interesting to look at. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. It'll we be got... interesting when uh, Mercedes turn up. Well, and Audi as well. Yeah, because yeah. they're they're buying in big. I think next is it next season that they're going to go full in. Now that they've sort of announced that they're leaving WEC and yeah. and everything else, and then yeah, you're right. Mercedes in 2018 will be a yeah. a massive thing. I don't think it that tells you all you need to know about you know where everybody's really thinking of going is that you you know you couldn't convince audi to join formula one um but they'll happily drop other programs which you know support their racing things to go into formula e and mercedes as well you know have have skipped endurance racing entirely and gone straight to electric racing it's um i think the future is brighter for formula e than a lot of people would have originally given it credit for Mm. i'd agree with that yeah can we convince you yet, Sean? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be very surprised if I see any of it over the. I don't. I don't know when it's on, um, but I probably won't catch it. Uh, I, I caught like half an hour of one episode, one one race. I don't. <laughs> Means you've watched seventy percent of the race. They only last forty five minutes. I, I I couldn't really take to. I hundred percent agree with you. The shop swapping halfway through uh, was just a bit too. Just felt a bit low rent to me a yeah. little bit. Um, yeah, it's completely true. I'll maybe try and give it another chance because it's definitely not something that I've seen hardly any of. But um, yeah, I didn't love it first on first glance, but 
we'll see. If it's on and I'm in the house not doing anything, I'll stick it on. Series but I probably me. won't. That's what I, do. I probably won't hunt, hunt for it or things like that. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched one live yet. I've I've just series linked it and watched it in and around other stuff that I was doing, uh, and that I think at the moment works quite well. Do you know what I mean? It feels like that kind of thing that you don't. The 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 problem with the Formula One weekend is it is it takes up you know eight hours of your weekend if you watch practically all of it you know across a time when you you know you might want to be doing other bits and pieces so it's a big it's a big time sink and because it's such a big time sink you kind of want to watch it live which means you have to plan a lot of stuff around sort of formula one which is fine do you know what i mean i love it to pieces so i don't you know it's not a it's not a chore but it's certainly there's something quite nice about knowing i have an hours long program of formula e to watch and i'll have got the whole thing and it'll have been really interesting pretty much for the whole entire race so it's got a um, I think it's definitely got a place at the moment in my schedule of things to watch, motorsport-wise. Fair enough. Well, we've waited on for quite a long time. <laughs> a lot longer than I thought that was going to take by the time we got through five questions and I thought, oh, got another half an hour to go now. We've actually gone even longer than I thought. So, um, Nikki. Yes. Tell the nice people <clears throat> listening to you where they can find you, what you do, um and all of your social media places and uh, have you. I am at Lights Out F1 blog on Twitter, I think. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh I write on lightsoutblog.com apart from and I won't be writing on it until next year now. Um, <laughs> so uh but there's lots of cool stuff happening on it next year I think. Um I've written some articles already for next year that uh I really like. So, um, oh, we hate organised people that. on this podcast. And, uh, well, it's, it's very uh, normal of me to be that organised. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited about the second year of the blog. It's going to be quite fun. So yeah, so oh, you've got a Facebook page as well, haven't you now? Yes, Facebook group. Uh, I think it's called Lights Out F1 Facebook group or something. <laughs> the, the link's on my Twitter page. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, so yeah, been more knowledgeable of my links. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll um, we we make sure we we, we try and um, reply to you. Do so many blooming blogs and articles and stuff. It's it's difficult to keep up and retweet every single one. Um, but uh, I must admit, I've, I, I, well, I've started I started using you to keep, to keep up with what's going on in the practices, certainly and ah, um, and bits and pieces because it's easier to read what you write than it is to try and find it written. I always down try and keep else. them as short as possible. But basically, because I'm lazy. But, <laughs> <laughs> ah, now, now it's a man after our own heart. <laughs> yeah, I do like uh, following practice on a Friday and just writing about it at the same time. I seem to take it in more. I, I guess if you're writing it down, you've got to you've got to pay attention a bit more. Yeah. Stuff. It's Excellent. long been my intention to jot some notes down whilst watching watching stuff, but. I've not really gotten around to doing that at all this season, so maybe that'll be my 2017 new season resolution. I think take a notepad with me whenever I'm watching Formula One, and note some things down. I've started. Um, I've started trying to do a bit of live tweeting during the races because sometimes that means that I'll write a tweet about something, and then I can go back and look at what I've tweeted during the race and go, "Oh yeah, that's what I was talking about," yeah. and it reminds me of Good what tactic. I was doing. As well as engaging the uh, the the Twitter sphere to generate. You I do like and... I do like a live tweet. Um, I do I do quite like that myself. Uh, Sean, tell the nice people where they can find you 
on the interwebs. You can Twitter, find really, me but. on Twitter. I am at Firebolt Willow, all one word, uh, where you will find me talking about all things sport, not just Formula One, um, particularly horse racing, and a little bit of this and that, bit of football, bit of cricket. So yeah, it's all things sport fi- at Firebolt Willow. Um, me personally, you can find me at Man Called Megs, where I talk Formula One, a uh, bit of pro wrestling graps. Um, if you're into those kind of bits and pieces, uh, and shamelessly promoting my YouTube channel, so um, there's <laughs> lots of uh, lots of YouTube content popping up at the moment. Um, and obviously for the podcast, we are at uh, Last Lap Podcast. Almost forgot. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. Uh, just search for the Last Lap F1 Podcast. Uh, this episode plus all the episodes from every uh, every season we have done, every episode is always available. Up on our website, which is www.lastlappodcast.co.uk. Uh, we are on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and probably somewhere else because there's probably somebody pirating our episodes off onto something else that I don't even know. Um, so you have no excuse to not keep up to date with our latest thoughts on Formula One. But thank you very much for listening to this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in all season. Um, we hope you have enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed bringing our thoughts of it to you we shall return in the new year with winner testing and all of the latest stories and going on uh if we can think of anything that's worthwhile talking over the winter break then we'll uh, obviously let you guys know that we're, we're planning to do that but for now for 2016 thank you very much again and we'll see you next year bye-bye bye-bye